Hello, welcome to the Autism Grown-Up Podcast. This is an extension of our resource center and nonprofit, also called Autism Grown-Up, where we are focused on supporting autistic individuals as they grow up and navigate adulthood. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan, and I'm also the executive director here at Autism Grown Up. One of the core things to our mission is that we are supporting conversations between all members involved in an autistic person support network. So to support that, we are talking with so many wonderful people and organizations that are doing work across a wide range of topics to support autistics as they grow up and navigate adulthood. We also have a community where we can continue our conversation about this podcast episode. If you're not already a member, you should join us. You can find us at autismgrownup.com community. Let's get into this week's episode of the Autism Grown Up Podcast. Today I'll be sharing my interview with Bronson Layton. Bronson is a 22-year-old autistic self-advocate, YouTuber, and he's currently a senior in college majoring in English. He started his YouTube channel, Bronze Over Brains, very clever title, just over a year ago, and creates videos that entertain and educate. His goal is to become a professor of English. And this episode, we'll be talking about the beginning of Bronson's YouTube journey and what really kickstarted it for him, uh, what topics Bronson is interested in and has covered in his videos, from advice to sharing experiences navigating college and his own experiences on the spectrum. And then he also shares some really incredible pieces of advice to autistic teens and young adults as they go through challenges in high school and college. So it's going to be a jam-packed episode. If you're currently listening to this via audio, I also want to note that there is also a video version of this episode that is up on our YouTube channel. You can just search up Autism Grown Up and we'll come up on the feed. Uh, Bronson's from Alabama and I'm, of course, in North Carolina and Bronson actually recorded this in his backyard. So you get to hear some relaxing, soothing birds and some wind and early springtime sounds. So just a heads up. Now let's jump into my interview with Bronson Layton. Hey, Bronson. Welcome to the Autism Grown Up Podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Reagan. I, I'm very excited to be here. Me too. This is our first video podcast, so this is exciting, extra level. Oh, really? I, yeah. Well, took me by surprise. Well, I could jump right now. <laughs> not, not, re not really. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about you and the work you do? Absolutely. Uh, like she said, my uh, my name's Bronson Layton. I'm uh, 22 years old. I'm a college student, and I, in general, I'm just uh, one of those guys who you see working on an assignment in college, and you're ever wondering, oh, is he drawing a picture for that girl over there? No, no, I'm kidding. He, I, what I do is, other than college work, I manage my own uh, YouTube channel named Bronze Over Brains, and that is how I advocate for the autism community, and a year ago when I started that, I was partially inspired by that Netflix show, you know, Atypical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I watched that, I wondered, well, if they could do a TV show about someone with autism, even though it it's probably fictional, I thought, hmm, you know, somebody ought to provide a voice to 
the autism community out there that uh, other than TV. And then I thought, how could you do that? And then I was watching YouTube one day and it flew over my head and then it came to me. And, there, and that's what I do for advocating uh, people on the spectrum. So cool. And also that piece too of um, just sharing your voice in there in the autism community through video is a whole nother level, I think, of uh, advocacy. So uh, what are some things that you cover on your YouTube channel? Well, um, let's see. I kind of do a mix of things. I Let's see, let me list it down. Yeah. I do challenge blogs. They're usually funny if you ever check those out. Mm-hmm. I do, let's see, I do a few cooking videos. I also do a lot of adventure vlogs, such as traveling to Disney or uh, to Panama City, Indianapolis, those sorts of videos. What was that other kind of video I do? There's, I, I also give advice videos. I've done one a few weeks ago on how to deal with bullies. Yeah. Sometimes I stray away from humor or misadventures to give personal life lesson advice to people on the spectrum who would really need it because although half the time I like to entertain I also like to educate Mm -hmm. and give my personal experience as a backdrop of sorts just to help reinforce the fact that we're not alone in social situations like that. Wonderful I I like the combination of different things that you enjoy doing and things that are important to you. They are, they show so clear on your channel. I think we'll have to, I definitely will have to pass along the Disney World one to my brothers because we are missing Disney right now. And that would be great to go on somebody's trip to do, to there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to pass it along. I'm a, I'm a fan of Disney. Uh, always have been since a kid. So you definitely cover a wide variety of areas based on your interests and what things excite you on your YouTube channel. So for uh, the advice you give, though, specifically even related to autism and bullying, what gave you the idea to focus on those specific topics, if you don't mind sharing? Well, honestly, to answer that question, it does depend on the day. Like one day I'm just inspired to talk about something on a vlog, I wake up, grab my camera and my tripod and start thinking about in my head, what can I tell people? And uh, to give you the the real answer, it was when I started the channel, my cause and everything. Right. Uh, why, why would I discuss this kind of stuff with people? What would inspire me? Because I, when I've been stressing out in college, I think back to some rough times in high school when not only I had stressful times, but I saw kids around me getting pushed around or people not listening to them. And then I thought, if somebody doesn't speak out for the defenseless or the quiet ones, who will? I mean, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They just don't like confrontation. And I'm one of those people. I like to kind of provide a voice to people who don't think confrontation is a direct solution. I like to provide a friendly atmosphere to people in person and on YouTube. I 
just like being a friend to everyone and hopefully one day a role model. Yeah, or maybe today you're a role model for many. I'm still in the starting stages of becoming a YouTuber. I'm not one of those big shots, at least not yet, but I really hope that whoever whoever pays my channel a visit, I hope that it helps them uh, with autism or without. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when, you may have said this already, but when did you start your YouTube channel? Let's see. Uh, today's May 1st, right? Yeah. Okay. It was exactly one year ago on April 27th that just passed. It was exactly one year ago on that date when I uploaded my first vlog. But before that, I wrote a poem about autism in my creative writing class, mm -hmm. and I posted it on Facebook, and it got so much attention that I didn't anticipate to happen that I thought I was overwhelmed. And then I see one comment. Somebody says, you know, you should start your own business, try to advocate for autism, sell t-shirts or something. And then I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And along with what I said earlier about being interested in helping people mm -hmm. and YouTube flying over my head, I knew it would be a risk, but hey, to, to take big steps, you got to take risks. Sometimes you have to jump before you can crawl, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. So does that mean you've definitely felt like a lot of resistance and hesitant, hesitation to starting a YouTube channel at the time? <sighs> You wouldn't believe it. I, at first, when I uploaded the first video, mm -hmm. I, I had no banner. I had no prior subscribers. I, I thought I was out of my mind. All I did was upload an 18-minute video of me talking and introducing myself and telling my life story in a brief way. I, But then a week later after I saw it, I got a confidence boost from it, from the feedback I got on it. And it turned out that people liked it so much, I thought, why don't I continue? I don't know what I started back then, but I thought after a while, it became fun. And then it became second nature, like it's, it's like it's my calling or something. Well, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, since then, definitely more comfortable going on YouTube, going on video. So you're the one that suggested we do video for this. And I was like, sure let's do it so what are some things that you've like learned along the way to like ease your comfort level to get to the point of it being such second nature well like life in a simple sense it's a transformative experience coming out of your shell is not really something that happens overnight right unless you're tom cruise flying one of those jets in top gun or something but uh, <laughs> But seriously, uh, any advice I could give? Is that is that what you were asking? Yeah, any advice you could give for someone who wants to do something like that or things that hmm. you've learned along the way? I guess that's kind of like a two-parter question for sure. Well, I'll start with the advice. I know there might be people out there watching this who would think it's too risky. It's too dangerous. What will people think of me? Believe me, I was one of those people. And I hid away in my room for two days after that. But whatever you do in life, whatever you decide to do, it takes courage. 
And for people on the spectrum, that is a challenge itself, gaining courage. We, if I could give any advice to someone coming out of their shell, it's this, don't give up. If you feel like you need to do something that feels right, but in a logical way, do it. If you feel like you need to help somebody, go ahead. If you feel like you need to speak your mind, do it, but do that in a way, the way people would want to treat you. You would want someone to treat you. It's the golden rule. Aside from not giving up, it's have have a goal set. If if you're a like a do you have adolescents who listen to this? Yeah, yeah, we do. If uh, any teenagers out there hear my voice, uh, if you're struggling in school or you're facing bullies or hard to hold a job or something, talk to your parents. Uh, I know it would seem a little embarrassing reaching out to someone about what's going on around you, but your parents are there for you because they love you. If you may have friends out there who actually see what you're dealing with and they want to help you. And no matter who gives you a hard time out there, just know it never has anything to do with you. That's their issues, not, not you. You're not the cause of their problems. I know uh, it's a, one of the characteristics about autism is difficulty in picking up social cues. I still struggle with those. Sometimes people give me a look that I, that in my head, I think of like three different possible outcomes as to what they're thinking. It's just a blank face. Is that a, I'm going to hit him face? Is this guy crazy face? Or I feel like falling asleep. <laughs> Any one of those. It's, it's, it's challenging, but like I've said several times on this podcast, if you ever need a friend, I am here to speak for the autism community. You you want to follow me on my channel. I will provide all kinds of advice, like in the past, present, and future. I hope any of my advice I just gave helped. And just know I'll be fighting for the autism community one vlog at a time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for saying that specifically for the teens on the spectrum who do listen to this or parents who have teens. And I encourage those who are listening to pass this info in this um, podcast along to them so they can hear that message because it takes a lot of courage and it's a very challenging time period, those teen years and trying to figure out what you want to do next after high school. And Bronson's been through that, so he can be easily a great guide. There I go blushing again. <laughs> but I just concur. I think that's uh, you provide such a great platform for those who are going through this specific time span. Um, so I'm so glad that we are talking right now because we have so many people who are graduating from high school in starting to venture off to college or thinking about going to college and or um, another type of post-secondary education program and there really isn't any one person that I could point to right now who is sharing that experience there so thank you for doing that you are also but you're also shifting into a master's program right Yes, ma'am. I currently am shifting out of my undergrad studies, uh, going into uh, grad school, and I'm I'm also entering my final 
semester as a marcher, sadly. What do you play? I play a treble clef baritone. It's like a an oversized uh, trumpet. It looks like a trumpet, uh, but it sounds like a trombone. And if you hold it vertically, it's like a miniature tuba. Blowing my mind right now. I've never <laughs> met anyone who's played it before. Wow. As it turns out, those instruments, they, they're not as common as you would expect yeah. in a, in like, say, a concert band, but they're, they're heavily seen in marching bands. Interesting. So it's more of a marching band instrument. I'm no music expert, but I think that um, they're they're more commonly seen through marchers. They're more French horns in like a concert. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So your your final semester as a marcher. That's right. Uh, uh, that'll be a grand total of twelve years. I've been marching. How far back does that go? To sixth grade. Sixth grade. Wow. Well, actually, my first two years in marching band in high school was trumpet, and I transitioned to baritone in eighth grade, and I've played that instrument ever since. What are you going to do next with that, though? Well, I am going to be marching a show called Fate of the Gods. It's going to be dealing with a lot of classical Greek figures and history, and it's going to have triumphant, like, symphonic stuff that'll really make an impact as a uh, as a final show for a marcher awesome. so cool. uh, after december i'm hanging up the uniform permanently and i just hope that one day when i have a kid if he want or if he or she wants to march that's passing the torch is marching tied in with school then yes ma'am and uh actually Marching was a contributing factor that helped build my confidence in high school. It helped me develop social skills. It helped me learn about cooperation better and how to uh, develop independence. And when I started college marching, it, it sharpened my disciplinary skills. Like I said earlier, even though I'm not a confrontational person, I, I don't feel like I'm as attacked when people get aggressive or something mm. I, I i take a i take a stand against people who would want to get hot-blooded against my uh my, my grill or something you know i gotcha i gotcha <laughs> i don't know where my mind was going with that that's right <laughs> you don't like it uh, none of us like it when people get up in our faces and say no. you're supposed to do this right right none of uh, us Mm-hmm. So did that happen quite a bit then in marching then? Well, I'm not going to lie. First year it did. Yeah. But with experience comes uh, improvement. It, it it still happens, but not as often. And I just, what is it people have been saying for the past decade? Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta do that sometimes, Delia. So what are some, we've kind of touched on these two, just in terms of the things that you focused on with navigating college and adulthood, but what are some common resources or tools that you've turned to or would recommend for others to use? I could write an essay about that answer, actually. Yeah. (laughs) But let me think real quick. Where I come from in a small town, There were very many uh, opportunities that I had where I could communicate with more people, but I was kind of a sheltered person. And then when I 
jumped immediately from a, a small town school to a university, I was like immediately exposed to culture shock. I, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And I absolutely did not know what to think. So um, my first year of college was just absolutely horrifying in, in my mind. I got stuck in traffic trying to navigate uh, classrooms. I had to send a bunch of emails, which was not something I was used to before college, but it took me a whole week just to figure out the mapping of the school. And uh, let's see, ever since my freshman year, the resources I've made, I have joined kind of like one of those anonymous programs about people with disabilities. Uh, they interact with each other and talk about how their autism, blindness, deafness, a whole range of disabilities, how those things have affected their lives. And we even do, we do crafts together. We do presentations. And I've really bonded with the director of that program. It's really given me like an inner circle for my college career. And aside from that, I've made many friends uh, and band and that group and my classrooms. Even, I hope this isn't bragging, but in terms of staying on track with resources, I think it's safe to say at this point, I've earned the respect of every professor that's taught me so far. So tell me more about that. What does that mean to you? Well, I, I did, I did exactly what they told us to do on syllabus day. Specifically speaking, I ask questions. I'm very inquisitive. I asked many questions. I sent them emails when I had concerns about a project or how to get in touch with someone. And I even had accommodations on account of my limited vision. By the end of the semester, when finals uh, were posted, they talked to me in their offices. A lot of them did. And they told me that they admired how much I contributed with group projects and performing well on exams just because I asked questions. I didn't know before I was a college student that asking questions would get you respect. I thought it would annoy people. Right, right. I think that's a common misconception for sure. Yeah, the, it's one of those things where I learn by trial and error. But you're right, it's on the syllabus, but a lot of neurodiversity students don't use it. They don't ask questions. So that's awesome that you took advantage of that and got to develop closer uh, relationships with your professors and got the accommodations you needed too. So uh, I haven't had anyone on here to ask this question yet, so feel free, take your time, or let me know if you don't want to answer this. But it's about accommodations and professors, and it can be a tricky t subject because I've done quite a bit of research, even like one-on-one -on -one work too, and interventions in high school to help students feel more comfortable requesting accommodations especially once they get to college because it's on, the onus is on them to do that because their parents aren't there to do it. Nobody else, their teachers can't do it for them while they're in college. So was there anything that you felt like you made you ready to request for accommodations? Well, 
on the first day of classes, like the very first day of classes, I I couldn't read the board at all. And even though some classes had uh, projector screens, I'm sorry, projection screens, mm-hmm. they some of the professors had writing that was so small yes. that even the average student probably had complaints about this. And whenever I had to request to sit up front, I asked and I, mm-hmm. I immediately picked out that seat. I thought that seats were assigned like in high school and yeah. well, uh, goes to show how much community college I skipped. But anyway, uh, <laughs> aside from my visual problem, I guess accommodations that pertain to my autism. Yeah, uh, did you have any related there? Actually, yes. Okay. There were some instances when I felt very self-conscious about asking the professor this, but I had as the best confidence as I possibly could. I walked up to him and I asked, uh, excuse me, but I, I wrote down everything you lectured about today, but I'm not quite understanding these concepts or how to prepare for exams. Can you, I know you're not supposed to tell me the answer, but could you please tell me exactly what it is I'm supposed to understand for the exams because I cannot understand if one concept is applied here or if I'm supposed to be quoting every single author that's on a that's listed on a single page and so they they helped me I I went to a tutor sometimes and that helped with the grades I Simply put, I just went for help. I even went to disability support services for extra time on exams and maybe even a private room outside the class where I could take the exams. But I've only did the private room thing one time in my college career so far. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, those are some great accommodations to hear about, and I think those would be helpful for those who are curious about like what could accommodations look like and would you also describe your experience with requesting accommodations being a fairly easy process for you for most of my college career it's been easy it's the first time is the hardest because if you haven't been exposed to a large class or or someone who is highly educated you don't know what you don't know what you're going to say yeah Matter of fact, that's probably how I felt when I was preparing for this interview. Right. You're a doctor and I'm just a goofy kid living on a hill. <laughs> but but you, you get so the funny. idea. I know though. what you mean. Yeah. But it's so funny because like on the other side of that, I'm like, I'm just a little kid doctor who lives on a hill in <laughs> but yeah I'm I don't you mean yeah it depends on where that professor is with things but to the other side of it a professor seems like a very formidable person they're very formal and a lot of them they're very kind when you get to bond with them which is another piece of advice I could give people who are starting college professors aren't as intimidating as you would uh, see them to be that if you talk to them one on one on one and get to know them, they'll they'll listen to you and 
if you're really serious about getting your work done and they'll know that you're not a slacker based on your performances, they'll really do everything in their power to help you. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So appreciate that advice. Yeah, I agree from the other side of it too, from teaching myself and it's a world of a difference in knowing the student better from them coming up to follow up with questions and seeking advice here and there. And it also seems like professors were very responsive with providing accommodations and support as needed. It is awesome to hear because not everyone has that same experience. It depends on the university and the programs there that support faculty. It does. And I can, I think I speak for all American colleges when I say there's a disability support services in every one of them. Yeah. There's always one, even if you can't see it, it's like, it's like that bird hiding in that tree over there. <laughs> I can't tell if it's there, but I know it is. I can hear it. <laughs> it's there, part of the background and the scene. <laughs> so yeah. true. Awesome. And starting to shift towards our last couple of questions, uh, what are you excited about and looking forward to in the coming months? Well, for a second, I'm going to be blunt and say for this pandemic to be over. <laughs> well, <about> that. <laughs> on another thing, I'm really excited because by the end of this year, I will earn my bachelor's degree. I will be turning 23. What else is there to look forward to? I a big one. I will be ending my marching career. I am going to be working on a couple of new writing projects of my own, which I haven't been able to do in the last six years. What else? I'm starting my first summer class this year, like first summer online course. Online. And I, I can't wait to see how that is going to turn out. Um, and long story short, I can't wait for another summer vacation, even if that means another, you know, week of isolation. Yeah. Right? And then how can people listening to this episode get in touch with you? Well, if anyone on here would like to reach out to me uh, in an informal way, you could just... Uh, Follow me on YouTube, Bronze Over Brains. That's B-R-O-N-S over brains. Um, I'm always doing, I'm always trying to make new videos every week. You can reach me on Facebook if you'd prefer. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. But I think you'd hear, I think you'd, you'd be able to, you know, hear more of my personality through the YouTube channel. Uh, social media is all just words and all that. So if you want to, get to know the real me, follow me on YouTube, and I am always here to answer questions or concerns that anyone might have for people on and off the spectrum. It's my calling, and it will be for a very long time, and I really hope that any advice I give on those videos and on this interview has helped anyone, anyone out there. Oh, I'm for sure it will. I'm so certain that will happen. Um, and yeah, go subscribe, check out his videos, uh, Bronson. I'm looking forward to more videos on your channel and following along there. And thank you so much again, Bronson, for being on this podcast episode, our first video one. It was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I, I cannot tell you how, how deeply this means to me. I, to be honest, I've, I don't ever remember being on an interview off 
YouTube before, oh. except except for you know who, uh, you know whose podcast. Yes, our dear friend Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah, I didn't know if I should have mentioned her name or something. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> talk about Cassidy's. Well, I don't think I've talked about her podcast on here yet. That will be linked to uh, Bronson's episode there. And I would like to say to Cassidy, thank you so much for getting me in, in touch with Dr. Reagan here. She is a very nice woman and you're a great friend I've made on autism support groups on Facebook. Thank you both so much for your interviews. These have really helped me grow. Even though I'm 22, I'm still growing. You still are. Well, and now I'm blushing. That's so kind of you. Thank you. So good talking with you. It's so good talking to you. All right. Thanks again to Bronson for joining us for today's episode. You can check out everything that we talked about in our show notes on the AGU website, autismgrownup.com. And it's also linked in the description of this episode of wherever you are listening today, which leads me to this quick ask. If you found value in this value... If you found value in this episode and know that others would benefit from listening to this podcast, leave us a rating and review, please. This really truly helps others in the autism community to be able to find us easier online because people like you are saying things like, hey, this podcast is real helpful. It covers info about college and young adults on the spectrum. Specific things can help people find this episode through the search. So thanks ahead for doing that. And as well as for listening to another episode of the AGU podcast, I'm looking forward to our episode next week and I'll chat with y'all soon. This episode was brought to you by our supporters. Become a supporter yourself of future episodes of the podcast. We're working towards our fundraising goal online as well and we need your help to help continue producing episodes like this and other resources within our resource center. To learn more, you can go to autismgrownup.com slash support AGU to learn more and help us keep the show running.